This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Hello, everyone. This is Jean Border. I am your host for the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. I know that's a long name, but that's the one that I like, so that's what we're using. <laughs> I have a special guest here today. This is Lisa Pepper-Satkin, and she is a transformational coach. She works with businesses and individuals to change thoughts, feelings, outcomes from negatives to positives. Welcome. Thank you. I love that you call me a transformational coach because I think that might be the result that people get when they work with me. And I... I'm a licensed psychotherapist and an executive coach, and I marry all of those tools into helping people achieve, gain, step into transformation. So I like that transformational coach. I might use that. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's what I that's what I took away from what I knew about what you do. <laughs> so then the outcome is what people care about, right? right. So there it you go. It is kind of what I do. Well, right. if you empower executives to change the culture of their organization and increase the, the results they get, that's, that's a huge transformation, in my opinion. <laughs> right. And, I, and in particular, the body of work that I developed to help people gain that transformation is understanding their own psychology or history or trauma or energy or somatic soma is the body right somatic patterning and then not just stay in the hot tub of the emotions of this is hard or this is hurtful or this is disturbing but really where do we want to go with it and what are the steps i need to take to make that change happen, whether I'm a beginner or a seasoned leader, it, it's sort of the same steps, really, you know. It's very cool that you combine the two because my background is the leadership world, 36 years in that field. And then I moved into energy. So combining the two is a journey in itself, figuring out how to make this And that seem like they really are necessary and go together well to create something even better. You know, I bet what made you as successful as you were for 36 years as a leader is that thread, that through line you had to your energetic self. She may not have been awake yet in that language, but I bet... If we switch this around and I interviewed you, I would get there. <laughs> no, you're you're probably right. Um, uh, it's very funny. My aunt told my mother when I was very young that she's going to be a leader someday. <laughs> and I grew into that. It's the funniest thing. But people are intuitive, whether they want to acknowledge it or understand it or even within themselves, recognize it, right? Do your so, listeners know your story? Um, pretty much. And, and you know, every once in a while, I'll throw out tidbits. So yeah, <laughs> they know that part. Um, yeah. they didn't know about my aunt telling my mother that. Um, 
Beautiful. But intuition is a big deal. Understanding, and I'm going to go back to the leadership thing, understanding who to hire, understanding how to hire, understanding what your organization needs, that you hire for what you need, not for what you already have. That's a hard lesson for people to, to take in because they want what they're comfortable with, right? That's yeah. maybe not what your organization needs. You already have that. Fill in the gap, right? But filling in the gap is that whole uncertainty piece. And right. that's, that's can, that can be uncomfortable. <laughs> right. And leaders who have the grounded confidence can see, right, I need more, I need, as a leader, I need more support in this area. And that's who I need to hire. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always, and this is another uncomfortable thing. I'm always set, pushing, train your replacement, push the, the knowledge down, right? Trust your people, hire to who can take on certain parts of the business so you can step into your excellence and make the big decisions. You don't need to be doing the day-to-day stuff. Trust your team. If you don't trust them, you need to revamp. You need to reanalyze. You need to look at what you've created. And is that what will serve you in the future? Right? So talk to me about how you work with executives and, and small business owners even. Well, it's one of the most, my most favorite facets of my business, right? I teach a program called Own Your Leadership. And it's really based on the Brene Brown Dare to Lead curriculum because I'm certified to train in her body of work. She trained 400 of us, I think, in 2019. And so I feel honored to carry that curriculum forward, but with my own twist, certainly. And it's really about helping leaders sort of know what they're really good at, like you are saying exactly this. And then I gently and lovingly and strategically guide them back into themselves so they can discover, oh, wait, I'm armored as a leader in this way because I got hurt in life or shamed or bullied or belittled in this way. And now I'm doing the same thing to my team or to my culture or to myself or to my wife or to my kids or to my husband, right? Depending on who you are. And so in my leadership cohort right now, people are like, I'm just so blown away. I'm simultaneously getting to know myself practicing how to be a better leader and being courageous and vulnerable with the cohort in a way that I've never been before. So there's some wonderful magic in there that I get to execute. I'm just going to mention that you don't only work with companies, you work with kids and that's cool. So Um, maybe we'll touch on that. (laughs) I can touch on that because Gene, you and I both know it's the same. Yeah. <laughs> how we do one thing is how we do most things. If you think back, like like your aunt said, she's going to be a leader. There's some spark in you that she saw when you were younger that's still there today that we all get to experience as your fans, right? As your <laughs> listeners. Um, when when my daughter, when my youngest daughter was in kindergarten, this little girl in her classroom was afraid to raise her hand to ask to go to the bathroom. And somehow I figured it out, probably because I'm a therapist and I'm, you know, I can see what's going on in classrooms or boardrooms or cultures. And so I said to this little girl, if you practice being brave all week long, I'll make you a surprise. All of a sudden, every day she would say to me, I was brave. I was brave. I raised my hand. I went to the bathroom. And so I was like, okay, what am I going to make her? And so I made her this little toy. It was had a heart-shaped head and these little arms and these little legs. I was not a seamstress. And I wrote a little sign and put it around her neck, and I said, I am brave. And all the kids went crazy for it. And so at the time, I was entering a business mastermind, and I thought, oh, Maybe I'll develop this program for kids to grow self-esteem. And so I did. And I volunteered and taught it in the schools and tried to sell it. I told my business coach, it's not even a nonprofit. It's a no profit because I just kept giving it away. Like, how was I going to sell something to teachers who teach? Oh, my God. I need like 
Oprah to back it or someone, some cool, <laughs> famous, wealthy person to back it and speak about it. Anyway, it really was successful in the classrooms. I taught the kids about intuition and affirmations and gratitude and intention. And it was a tool in the classroom that the kids managed. The teacher didn't manage. So it wasn't a punishing tool and it wasn't a, a present because you behave tool. It was a tool that the kids intuitively knew which kid was the next kid that needed it. And then I taught kids how to talk about themselves and think about themselves. You don't hear anything different than what I just described in the corporate world. Just shorter people and taller people. <laughs> um, I think kids are more open. That's just my take on it. But anyway. I'm, I'm with you there. But they close down. Yeah. So we got to catch them in the gap between when they're open and then they close. Yeah. So talk to me about how you got from psychotherapy to executive coach. Well, it feels to me like it all does. They're one and the same. It's just how you frame it, right? So what happened, I was in a business networking group and this really sharp woman said to me, you do way more than psychotherapy. It's like you're an executive therapeutic coach. And I was like, that's it. You nailed it. It was this way that I could finally bring my two worlds and passions together. I don't know if you've seen the Barbie movie. No, I haven't. I've seen all the the commercials for it, but I've not seen them. Oh my gosh. I mean, what a cultural story right now about women and men and everything. But there's a, a line in the movie that was like, She's struggling between her Birkenstock self and her high-heeled self. Mm -hmm. And right out of college, I felt that same way. Like, how do I be my natural outdoorsy self? And then I needed to get a job and my high-heeled self. And then as my work carried on, how do I be the empathic and compassionate psychotherapist who can sit with people? But also the part of me that knew that people actually really want more than that. They want support and guidance that they haven't gotten along the way to push themselves out of that old story or to stop believing their inner bully. And so I decided to create this new body of work and grow it so that people could have both. They could have both the therapy and a way to see themselves in their successful suit and move out of their trauma and move toward their bigger dreams. You touched on something that comes up repeatedly in these podcasts when I talk about, um, well, lots of things. You call it the inner bully. I've heard it called the mean girl, the inner critic. I mean, there's so many names for the self-talk that goes on where we just criticize ourselves to death and we would never speak to a stranger the way we talk to ourselves. No. And I, I have something for your, your audience, my PDF on, it's called fire your inner bully, ignite your wisdom. You know, we have to learn how to pay attention to our wisdom and to really fire the inner bully. Like you are no longer serving me. You've served to protect me. I thought I needed you to feel safe. But the more we grow and the more we're in communities like this one that you've created, and we start to be around people who guide us in this way, we begin to transform our thinking. And that takes us back to being open to allowing ourselves to change because what we're in is comfortable. When we think about changing, now we get that weird feeling, oh, I don't know what that's going to be like. And so we have to go through the self-talk. Okay, you served me, you know, but I'm ready for something else. Can you support me or not? You know, I'm no longer willing to accept certain things. Right. Now, you and I are speaking to the choir 
because yeah. we're, we're cut from the same cloth. I'm older than you are, I believe. So I've been doing this longer. You know, I, I think we've both been in the field for a long time. Like, cause your aunt told you when you were little and someone told me when I was nine that I knew more than I should for my age and all of that. So for your listeners that are, are just beginning, it's about bringing awareness to the self-talk that makes you feel uneasy. That's the first step. And I guide people in this very simple exercise. When you notice you feel uneasy, ask yourself, what was I just thinking? And then say out loud, not in the grocery store, but say out loud when it's safe, there's one of those negative thoughts. And what we're doing is bringing it from the deep unconscious to the conscious mind. And maybe your listeners already know all of that, but I I know there's a beginner here or there that says, wait, how do I do that? For me, working with clients, the very first step is awareness. And that's what you just said. That's what a tool that you just told people, very easy tool, how to use to be bring awareness to what you're doing to yourself, what you're allowing, your, how you're allowing yourself talk to influence your decisions, either in life or in business. And something you said earlier when, um, and again, this comes up as well, when you make a decision in one part of your life, typically there's a belief system that's influencing, influencing desis, um, decisions in multiple parts of your life because right. they're all coming from the same experience level, the same safety protocols that you've internalized, if you will. So you're doing it with your family. You're doing it at work. You're doing it in whatever sports you're engaged in. I, I love that. Yes. That's such a beautiful word. Safety protocols. That's what the inner bully is. It's like, it's like a safety patrol guard, but it doesn't help you cross to the other side. It's like, no, you know what? You could get hit by a car. So we're just not going to cross. You go back home. Exactly. We're not doing that anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. So awareness is the first part. I mean, it, I, for me, it's awareness and then focus and then taking strategic action. That Those are the three easy steps. It sounds so easy, right? But when yeah. you're in it, that that can go really deep. But awareness is always the first. Awareness of language, awareness of beliefs, awareness of the actions, your decisions, what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what you will accept and what you're no longer willing to accept. Yeah, the boundaries, right? That's exactly, one. yes. To change your story about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Last month I did a whole, it was own your boundaries was my theme of the month with my women's circle. And it, I cannot believe the feedback I got around it, like how helpful it was for people to remember why boundaries are so healthy. And lack of them can lead to so much internal stress, tension, conflict. And you set okay. yourself up for experiences that you really didn't want to experience sometimes you, if you yeah. don't set the, the proper boundaries or if you're yeah. not even aware that you haven't set boundaries. Again, back to awareness. What do you want? Mm. Yep, we're cut from the same cloth. It's so nice <laughs> to meet you and be with you. <laughs> okay, so talk to me. You do custom programs for people. What would that look like? And, and I'll tell you, I love events. So I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> I love gatherings like this. Um, so I'm working with, a company right now in San Francisco. And I think they found me through the Brené Brown website because he, the CEO is a big Brené Brown fan. And he called me and we talked and I said, what's going on? You know, it's that conversation. Like what's, what's the thorn in your side right now? And he had experienced being canceled. And so He was rebuilding trust. So he wanted a program where they were all working on themselves at the same time. And so I designed some exercises around values, 
around giving and receiving feedback, around how to have tough conversations that everybody participated in. When everybody participates, trust grows. If you have a CEO sitting on the side or not showing up for the offsites, and the thing that companies, I I think, are failing in is they'll do one event or one offsite, and then they'll say, aren't we groovy? It's like, no, the consistency is groovy. Consistency leads to long-term culture shift and trust and and inherent a weaving together of different values that all want to operationalize the company values. But the one-offs, doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it's wonderful, especially if you have a really good presenter, but it's the consistency of, oh, you're investing in this because this is a value of the company. We all get to work with this coach. We all get to see that one another is working with the coach. Um, So that's an example of how I design it. I also have done a lot of really powerful grief and loss work inside companies when no one executive had a stillborn. And the team was impacted and nobody knew how to handle it. So we came together and I had the big wigs reach out to him and ask him, what would you and your partner like from your direct reports? Do you want a card? Do you want something planted? Do you want a phone call? Do you want text? When do you want to, you know, we have to have, we can't be in a mind reader culture. We have to ask people what they need and want and what would be supportive. During COVID, I did a lot of that design work so people could feel heard and feel the empathy, but it wasn't like cookie cutter, like, oh, we just sent a plant and nobody talks about it. This man actually did want to talk about his loss and wanted to talk to other people who had been through something similar. So that's what I mean when I custom create events or workshops. Cool. You touched on something that I think is really important in the leadership world. I know we're spending a lot of time on leadership and not so much on the energy part, but I I think the, the things that come up are the things that are supposed to come up that someone needs to hear. So the word consistency when combined with leadership is a huge deal. When you step in as a, a leader, you step into a, a structure that already exists with employees that already exist, and they're used to something else and they're used to people playing favorites and one set of rules for one person, another set of rules for somebody else. So there's teachers, pets and all that kind of stuff just creates uncertainty and toxicity. So consistency between employees, between rules, between procedures Yes, there are always reasons for exceptions, but those are exceptions, not rules, right? And they have to be logical, but they also have to seem fair to employees to a point, right? Right. But if you always give in when this person has a complaint and you never give in to anybody else, that's not necessarily a healthy culture. So being consistent is a, it can be hard for leaders, you know, and it, it, it can be hard. And there's, you know, the simplicity of have your one-on-ones regularly, same time with the person. It sets up a foundation of trust, right? And then I, I coach my leaders and check in with the person and take notes and then check back in based on your notes. It's like, Leadership 101, it's so simple, and it makes a difference. If I know your mom's going through a health scare, and I just take a minute to say, you don't need to talk about it, but I just want to check in on your mom and how you're doing. 
That's operationalizing your values. Put your money, per se, where your mouth is, right? It's It looks so simple over here, but I know it's hard. I have a terrible story about that that I won't even say on the air. But okay, when but you we, don't say those right. things, when you don't recognize, you know, a someone who provides great value to your organization and you don't do anything at all to accommodate those types of situations, that also sets up a culture that people don't necessarily want to be a part of, right? Um, one of, Part of my career, I was um, in Italy and I had my dogs with me and I those were my family, my, my three dogs. I had some white, um, big white fuzzballs um, and one of them got the mother got very sick and she died and everybody at work gave me a card. They rescheduled one of my trips that I was supposed to go from Italy to Greece for a very important meeting and they canceled the meeting and rescheduled it. Oh my gosh. You know what impact that had on me? I was like flabbergasted that somebody would go out of their way because that wasn't my history (laughs) with leadership in some cases. Right. They went out of their way to take care of me. It was yes. a novel idea, but it was so powerful. I remember. And, when, oh, go ahead. Excuse and me. And it created like an allegiance to that management structure, right? All they did was give me a card and reschedule a meeting, but that was huge for me. Yes, that was your child. Yeah. I remember somebody asked me if I did grief and loss work with pets. And I was so shocked by the question. That's like saying, do, do you do grief and loss work with people? Like, is there anybody who doesn't consider a pet a person? I mean, I am all about the pets, too. Like I said, of course I do. I I honor your pet as a family member. Bring Bring in whatever you need to bring in. Do you still have your dogs? They all, they've all passed on. It's been, um, they all, everybody in that line lived to age 13. They're big dogs. So they, they don't have as long of a lifespan. But three big dogs? I had three big dogs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But they each died at age 13. And everybody, every dog in that litter died at age 13. That's wild. So that was the lifespan for that particular litter. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. But yeah, they were my they were my kids. <laughs> they are your kids. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you there. Okay. Problem solving. Tell me how you go about dealing with groups that have issues with problem solving. Well, oh <laughs> such this is such a big and important topic. And what I love to do. If, if I'm given the opportunity, right, I like to have, doesn't have to be a long conversation, meaning, you know, companies are like, oh, I don't want to spend too much money. But I want to know from everybody, what do you think the problem is? And then I very quickly move to this process where I ask people what's solvable and what's not solvable. Okay, and what's solvable by you and what's not solvable by you? And what's solvable here in our thinking or the way that we are verbalizing, whatever it is? And is is that where we need to have a shift? So I do a lot of work individually, and then I bring it back to the collective, and then consistency, follow up. Everybody's makes a commitment and an agreement. I move companies out of expectation and into agreements and then meet again and see what's working and see what's not working and rinse and repeat. Was that, did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you have a small business owner who only has maybe even themselves or one or two employees or a VA and a um, social media team, something like that. How would that work with them? How would they go about thinking through how to solve their problems? Same exact way. 
Like, what do I think? The problem is, you know, Brené Brown in, in the Dare to Lead training has this wonderful section that I just taught to my leadership cohort this week about rumbling, rumble starters and rumble, rumble tools. And what she means by that is to be the very best leader that you can be is you have to choose courage over comfort. So you have to be courageous in the questions that you're asking. And so I like to teach people how to get curious with the other one. Like, so tell me more about why that's not working for you. Or tell me more about what's going on for you with me and my leadership style. Like we have to really be open to listening and rumbling, as Brené Brown says. And what I love about this is when teams learn these tools, And they all start practicing them. And then they all start telling on each other in a positive way, like reporting back to the cohort. Like, I really appreciated how Jean rumbled with me about this other piece. And she showed compassion. And we created agreements before I felt like there was an expectation that I would work on Saturdays. And then we created an agreement that I would be on call on Saturdays, but I'm not always coming to the office or whatever it is. Right. And um, so I don't think it's any I don't think size matters around team building. It's consistency. There we are again. Consistency and clarity, being clear, clarity, your whole expectation piece, being clear on what you expect. And when actions don't meet expectations. Trying to determine whether. The expectation is impractical or there are steps that are missing in the procedures that don't allow the expectation to be met, or maybe it's the wrong fit, right? There's so many options for why something didn't occur that you thought would be easy to, to make happen. Yes. So being clear on that. And I try and circle slash expectations. Expectations lead to disappointment. But once we have agreements in there, then you've said yes. And I've said yes. Does it mean it's going to work every time? No, because we can have broken agreements. But then when we come back to our regular one-on-one and we check in on it, can you imagine if we ran families like this too? (laughs) Hey, I thought we had an agreement that you would bring the garbage cans in. What happened? Oh, I get home to, this is just what happened in my family, right? I get home too late. And I'm scared to be outside with the garbage cans by myself at night in the dark. Oh, okay. Well, that's not a job for you to my young five foot one, 17 year old girl who she's more prone to a little bit of anxiety, right? So why she, she doesn't have to bring the garbage cans in in the dark. What am I teaching her? Nothing except to not trust her intuition. Mm -hmm. So that job needed to go back to my husband because I don't like to touch the garbage cans. And then I took on another job that he doesn't like to do. It just more, you know, we got to negotiate it like this. Same thing in, in this small organization that you're talking about. And the other part to that, along with the agreement, is deciding. Oh, beautiful. Because until you decide, everything is so pie in the sky well maybe this will happen maybe that won't but if you make a clear decision this is what will be yes and then anything standing in the way of that is an issue to be dealt with from one way or another by someone or another right it's a broken agreement Mm -hmm. and then we get to circle back i love it we could run the world gene let's there we go (laughs) if people would only listen to everything we say totally (laughs) we have really good ideas though (laughs) Go ahead and talk to me about My Hearty Kid. Oh, so that's the program that I developed for the kids. And it and it got the name My Hearty Kid because the first little toy I made had a heart head. So I named it My Hearty Kid. And um, one thing that was really beautiful about that program is I taught the kids to stand up and own with their arms outstretched, which looked like the toy, and they would say, I am creative. 
and they learned about affirmations. And we would put a big heart on the whiteboard and one child would stand up in front of the classroom at a time and all the other kids would say, I see that you are friendly. I see that you are creative. I see that you are focused. And I would make this big love map for each child. And then I would tape it to their desk and I told them they had to read it 111 times. And it impacted these classrooms. Kids felt better about themselves. Kids were kinder to one another. So now, Jean, we have to find someone to fund it. So it can be <laughs> in every school nationwide. First thing that came into my mind was Kickstarter, but I don't even know how that works. So <laughs> no, I was going to do that at some point. <clears throat> There's so many ideas, but I got full. My life got full raising my girls and running my business. And I was like, the time will come. The exact time will come. Exactly. Priorities shift all the time. And when the time is right, it will become your priority. Right. Totally. Beautiful. Yes. So talk to me about energy work. How did you get more focused on that throughout your career? Well, you know, I I love that you're asking me about that because I have been highly tuned in and connected since I was a very little girl. And um, now the way that it shows up in my life is through all these wild experiences I have with people who have already passed away, and somehow they find me to find their loved one. It's so fun to say this to someone who gets it and doesn't think I am out of my mind wackadoodle, right? <laughs> and your listeners don't, so this is very fun to talk about. But I, I'm just aware of it. It happens all the time in the most wild way. And... Um, and I just pay attention to it and I listen to it and I teach kids to pay attention to their intuition because that's the beginning of it. If you start to listen to that deep inner wisdom, that's energy, right? That's what your aunt saw in you. I know it. I would love to know more about that. Um, and I'm very intuitive and I'm very connected in and when it happens, because it happens all the time, right? When it happens, I'm like, hi, I just say, you know, it's wild. I can um, share one story if you'd like. Sure. I was at a yoga retreat and um, and I was I had to share a room with someone and I was like, oh darn, I don't really want to share a room with someone. I I like my energy to be contained and I'm out there a lot, you know. And um I met this one woman and I, I sort of I didn't I had a nice time talking to her, but you know, it wasn't anything mind-blowing but we started talking at dinner and she shared that her son had just passed away from a drug overdose and I said oh wow that's wild because I have a deep connection with people from the other side and um so I wonder I mean, that's kind of cool that we're sitting here at the table talking. So I just wonder what will happen this weekend, right? And she shared more and I shared more. And it was pretty just simple dinner, right? And then I walked back to my room. And of course, who's my roommate? But this woman, right? And I shared with her some experiences that I had 
And she said, there's no way you're telling me this. Those are things that my son used to say to me. There was a way a phrase I used or something I used. She was like, that's directly from my son. And I said, well, this happens to me a lot. And she said, you know, I was just about to give up. Like I told my mom, I can't do this. I can't live with the weight of the grief and loss of this. And then you show up as my roommate and say the things to me that only my son would know to say to me. And I was like, something like that, you know. And then her son used to, uh, his nickname was Moose. And I started saying moose everywhere. The word moose or the thing moose. And I said to her, watch, you're going to start seeing moose, mooses all around. The next day driving home, she got lost on a road and went around a corner and landed in front of this restaurant called Mooses. And she was just like, she texted me, Lisa, you're not going to believe it. I'm like, yes, I am, because it's ha- it's going to happen. And we have this lovely friendship now where we just take pictures of moose and send them back and forth and it <laughs> keeps him alive in a beautiful well way and it keeps her grounded and it keeps my intuition ignited. And this happens all the time. One thing I want to say about intuition, the more you trust it, the stronger it gets. If you discount your intuition, it will stop showing up. Yes. I love that. In my hearty kid, there's a whole bit about teaching kids about intuition. And I call it shoe because that's kind of a cute name for kids, right? Shoe. And what it pertained to is when my daughter was young, my oldest daughter was little. We used to go to a coffee shop every morning before I would take her to daycare. And this woman who probably had schizophrenia something, some major mental health diagnosis, chased me with a shoe. And so when I got kind of grounded and centered again and made sure my daughter was safe, we got in the car and we talked about it. That was scary. I said, it was scary. And you were, you did great. You just stayed right by me. And I said, so if ever we feel that fear again, let's just say shoe to each other, shoe. And then we'll know to gather nearby so we could be anywhere and then it was sort of a a safety word so you didn't feel racist or biased or uncomfortable right and um recently i was taking my daughter to college and she said you know i think that might have been a racist kind of practice that you had and i said what makes you say that and she said well it usually involved race and it usually involved you know economic discrepancy And I said, but I'm not racist. So I I disagree with you. I humbly disagree with you. And I taught you to listen to your intuition. So your overlay that it's racist, I respect. You get to look at that within yourself. But it taught you to listen to your intuition. And now you're highly intuitive. I watch you all the time make comments about intuition. right? And so... We let it go at that, but um, I had to. I have to examine that. Like, do was I racist or had racist impulses? Or I hope not. It was just always shoe. I could feel it in my belly. It was fear. As children, we make judgment calls from our limited view of the world, and so as she was aging and trying to make sense of the experience she was trying to rationalize whatever she could rationalize to make that weird experience make some kind of sense and that that came to be her rationalization that's my take on it oh beautiful beautiful description i'm gonna call her when we're done (laughs) because it happens all the time but when we we do we make our our belief systems are created at such early ages but it's based on our experiences what we hear what we see what we think we know the limited language understanding we have you just never know where some of these belief systems come from but that one was interesting how you get from somebody chasing you with a shoe and being afraid to that being racist well it you know i think all the other times we use shoe I get you. 
had a component of that. But the way her mind sent these tentacles out to try oh, to pull very good. experiences that might in some way be similar so that we could make a judgment call that would keep us safe in the future, right? Yes. It's very interesting how our, how our subconscious works to keep us safe. Yes, very, yes, which ties into the inner bully, right? Exactly. Deep unconscious, yes. Exactly. So we're getting near the end of our time together. No, the beginning. We've just met. I know. Friendship gets to be sparked. On this call. On this call. On this call. Okay, I'll take you there. So if you had some obstacles that you had to overcome in order to grow your business the way you have, that small business owners might also experience, what might some of those obstacles be that they could be on the lookout for and perhaps make them not quite as traumatic as they could be in some certain circumstances? Yes. I remember in 2011 that I had created this women's creative retreat for deep personal transformation. And a friend of mine mocked it, a good friend, mocked it in a way that she kind of has that sort of jabbing, mocking personality. And I believed her. And I went underground, even though I knew I was onto something. I knew using creative visual anchors as a way to have meaningful transformation. I knew I was onto something and it was before all of the soul collage and everything. Right. And, but I didn't do it. I just stayed quiet. I stayed little, I stayed underground. I didn't want to offend anyone. And I wish way back then, what, so that's 12 or 13 years ago that somebody had said to me, That's your inner bully. Don't believe your inner bully. Believe your inner wisdom. Or as I tell clients now, don't believe your feelings. Know your feelings, but don't believe your feelings. Believe your values and create value. And there were a number of people that I listened to along the way that countered my inner wisdom but I didn't want to offend or I didn't want to be too big or I didn't want to be too much. It is not up to us who sees our stuff, who likes our stuff, who wants our stuff, who buys our stuff. And I think I played small for way too long. So if you know that you add value to even one person, play big, play bigger, keep playing because It's not up to us who is impacted by the things we say or the work that we do. Something I was told not enough years ago was Mm -hmm. protect your dreams. Mm. Because if someone isn't on the same path as you, they won't understand it and they'll knock it down and you'll let it go thinking it's not a worthy dream. Right. Oh, Jean, why? Where were you in 2011? I need <laughs> exactly. To See, I, I heard that not enough years ago, but but yeah. And to trust in divine timing, like exactly, exactly. where we are right now, together, you and me yep. in this moment. It's like it couldn't. The kismet couldn't have happened maybe in 2011. I don't know. Well, even two years ago, I had no desire to have a podcast. I mean, I was very open about that. I had no desire, none at all. And then over time, you know, it's like, well, why not? You know, that, <laughs> and it just became, there was no emotional resistance to it. it. It just happened, you know, it's like, okay. And here we are. Yes. That's beautiful. Mm, I'm so happy I met you. Yeah. Same here. Okay, so because we're going to need to wrap up fairly soon, what words, final words, would you maybe have for our listeners? Is there anything else you'd like to add to what we've been discussing? 
Yes, tap into the resources that are available, the teaching tools. You may not be able to to do one-on-one coaching in like my my biggest package. You may not be able to do that. I have 30 years experience coaching and working with people. So of course it's going to be at a very high value. But also on my website, I have all these fabulous free tools. And I do workshops all the time where I make it very cost-effective for people to get in on my wisdom and teaching. So search around. People are always offering their wisdom up. And the people who don't, you don't want them to work with them anyway. But there are tools out there that will help you become a better leader and and tap into it. And I always make, from my people who really want to be in my leadership courses, and it's too expensive, and they're like, well, can I pay you a little bit every month over the next year? Absolutely. I work with people, especially the people who want it. I also give away scholarships. So connect in. I'll have a lot of great resources for your listeners. And connect in. I love to help where I can. And just so everyone knows, there will be links down below for all the nice things she's talking about. Yeah. So I want to thank you very much for coming on. It's been a whole lot of fun. I agree. I so enjoyed meeting you. Cool. So thank you for being here. I want to say thank you to the listeners. Um, And until next time, this is Jean Border with the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.